you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Coming up on Total Access, The Locker Room. Herm Edwards, he goes, you got to redefine your expectations. You got to stop thinking Pro Bowls. You got to start thinking Canton. And I said, what? Welcome to NFL Total Access, The Locker Room. I'm Michael Robinson. And today I'm joined by Bucky Brooks. Bucks, what's going on, big dog? Man, life is good, man. It's, It's so fascinating to have an opportunity to talk to John Lynch. He brings so much to the table. So much, big dog. And we're going to let you guys in on what players and coaches really talk about inside the locker room. Today, as you said, Bucky, we're going to share the second half of the conversation we had with 49ers general manager John Lynch. And guys, you don't want to miss his Hall of Fame story, right? The fact that David Baker came to his house and saw all the family there, you don't want to miss out. Now, you certainly want to miss out on that, but also the versatility of the 49ers and how Trey Lance will enhance that going forward. You got another locker room story for us. This is number two, man. You know, oh, another man. locker room story. You, you gave us a great one about how you <laughs> snitched. Uh, woo, woo. You put the 5-0 on your back and you just went in there and just got more and sat locked up with the coaches. You know what I'm saying? You, you yeah. told us that one at first. So I don't know if you can you can give us a better one than that one, but uh, yeah. here's your opportunity to bless us. I with can another. tell you a hundred sap stories, you know, <laughs> that, are, that are so good. But man, I... Uh, you know, I, I, I'll probably tell you a GM one, you know, okay. so, you know, I, I remember in year one, um, you know, being here and you talk about, you know, a different form and, you know, I'm a pretty chill guy. People have come to know me, you know, that, that, that do know me, you know, pretty, pretty chill and nice guy off the field, but there is a different guy who's on that field. And, you know, in, in year one, you know, I think it was a story having a guy from a different background being the GM. And so the cameras would not get off me. And, you know, I remember Elway actually texting me in like my, our third game. And he's like, Johnny, you, you have to play to the cameras because your intensity, man, you're like, when, when you don't make a play, you're pounding the table and, and you're scaring people, man, you gotta act, you gotta be calm, cool and collected. And so I I'm sitting up there doing, and now to this day, to every game I'm up there doing breathing, you like moose side, you know, because there you go. Cause I'm trying to put on it, but that intensity is still there. It's just, it's, it's uh different that you can't express it. And that's, that's been, you know, that's been a tough adjustment to this game. You know, you, you work your tail off, you, this thing consumes you, but come game day, they're, they're not a dang thing you can do no. other than sit back and support your guys. It's a helpless feeling. So we know you, you've been pretty busy. You had a, a pretty busy off season. You made some trades, you went through the draft, all of that. But let's start. Let's start talking. Let's start off by talking about that knock you got from David Baker, man. Oh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. What does that mean to you? Was it something that when you started your career, was it something that was a goal? Because me personally, Hall of Fame was never a goal of mine. I wanted Super Bowls. I wanted five Super Bowl championships. Was the Hall of Fame something in your mind as a little boy when you started playing this game? No, no, I just, I just wanted to play, you know, and I'd be lying to you if I told you when I started, when I started playing, you know, I gave up a promising baseball career. I'd I'd signed with the Florida Marlins, but my heart was with football. I was, you know, a second round pick. I was the second round, 
second pick ever in the, in the Marlins organization through the first pitch, but my heart was with football. And uh, so I went, I said, you know, surely I can play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, they're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're not very good right now. And then I go up there and it, it took me three years to become a full-time starter. I was questioning my own, <laughs> um, yeah. like that, that wasn't a very good decision. You left this <laughs> for this team and you're not even playing. You're a special teams guy. You know, it, it, it took a little time, but I, I do remember, I mean, there's people that are impactful. I remember the first time I really started thinking about it, you know, something great happened for me in 96 and that's Tony mm-hmm. Dungy came in and the guy he brought in to uh, be his DB coach was Herm Edwards. Herm had been uh-huh. scouting uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs, but Tony knew Herm way back. They played the all-star games together in college, had great respect for him. So talked him into being his, his uh, uh, defensive back coach. And Herm was kind of the disciplinarian. I think Tony knew himself and <laughs> discipline wasn't what he wanted to be doing. Uh-huh. So Herm was kind of the hammer. And, uh, you know, I remember I'm I made in 90, uh, 97, I made the pro bowl for the first time. And I came back and, you know, Herm was just, he had so much wisdom to him. And, and I said, okay, Herm, like I, I made the pro, I, I got to get back here next year too. I got to take that next step. And I remember him in Herm Edwards, you know, Hey, hey son, now you, you, you got to redefine your expectations. Oh. You got to stop thinking pro bowls. You got to start thinking Canton. And I said, what? And he goes, you, you've got that in you. The only problem is you don't believe that. Have you ever thought of that? And I said, Herm, I, I just made my first Pro Bowl. Like He goes, I, I understand that, but I'm here to tell you, you've got that in you. I, I watched you play this year. And that year, 97, was one of my best years um, in football. But no one had ever told me that. And, and Herm said, you, you, you need to change your mindset because it's one thing for me to believe it, but you need to start believing. And if you do... I, I promise you, son, you've got that in you. And you talk about Bucky, you talked about earlier speaking something in existence. I had yeah. never had that in my mind. My parents taught me to dream big, but I just never even thought about the hall of fame. And after that, I did every single day, you know, wow. I, it, it was super bowls and all that, that drove me, but in that background and you know, every pro bowl I make, he used to call me Lynchburg. He said, Lynchburg, you get to, you get to five now. Now, now we're talking, you know, and I got to five and then, you know, every other one I thought was just bonus. And I'm, very thankful. My son's going to be the guy who, um, my presenter in Canton, uh, because family's everything to me. He's going to represent our three girls too. But, um, you know, the, the hall is going to allow Herm Edwards to be on that video as well. Cause I told David Baker that story and how important that was to me. And so Herm was a big part of my success in this league and, the, and, and the knock was, was incredible. I mean, they doing it in a COVID year, I'll never forget your guys' colleague at NFL Network, Steve Smith. And Steve and I don't know each other that well. He's got a way with words, though. He did on the field. And uh, we always had great respect for each other. We were in that same division when they realigned the divisions. And and, uh, Steve sent me something. Uh, something after he said, you know, I know you've waited a long time, but God's never early. God's never late. He's always right on time. And that's exactly what I was feeling because in a COVID year, I got that knock. It was a surprise. We were at our home in San Diego. All the other times I had been told, no, it was just my wife, who's my best friend. And she's been with me this whole journey. So that would have been great. Um, but all the times I got told, no, it was just she and I in a hotel room. Well, at my house, all four of my kids, my parents, my father-in-law, my sister, my brother, everyone was there to get to experience that with me. So Steve's words were very impactful because that's exactly how I was feeling. John, it's, it's funny because like in the scouting business, we always talk about those top guys. Can you envision them wearing gold jackets, right? And so it impacts the way that you think about acquiring talent. And so the rumors are out there that you guys inquired about a gold jacket candidate and Aaron Rodgers maybe as a quarterback. 
from a philosophical standpoint, I just kind of want to pick your brain about how do you think about being super aggressive when it comes to the team building process, particularly when it's a quarterback that might have that kind of stature. Yeah, we've always tried to be aggressive since we've been here. I think that's uh, that was that was kind of my mentality on the field. And Kyle, I think anyone who knows him thinks aggressive when they think about him as a coordinator. Um, I'll never forget my first draft. We started trading all over the place. It started going, I think, uh, two to three with the Chicago Bears, where they went up and got Trubisky, and then we just we we traded up to get Reuben Foster, and we just moving all over. And and we haven't been afraid to make trades if we think it's something that's going to help our team. Now, the Aaron Rodgers thing, I mean, that's real simple. I was sitting back like everyone else and hearing of these stories, wow, of it, of his discontent and um, the same thing everybody else was hearing. You know, we had made a decision organizationally that, yes, Jimmy Garoppolo, when he's out there, we win. The problem is he hasn't been able to keep himself out there. So, you know, we had made a decision, right right or wrong, we're going to go get a quarterback this offseason. And we were really studying the, this quarterback class in earnest and really diving in. And we, we thought it was a damn good one. As things got closer to the draft, even now that we had moved from 12 to 3, all of a sudden these stories are starting to break the, the week of the draft. Kyle and I look at each other and say, we'd be fools. You at least have to call. And, you know, this, I've always thought this is a relationship business. Kyle and, and Matt LaFleur are extremely tight. They've coached together for a long time. I didn't want to be disrespectful to the organization. So I said, Kyle, you know, typically this would be me calling Goody, but I think the right thing for you to do, you have the relationship with Matt. And I, I think it was like a, it was a phone call that probably lasted 20 minutes, but the ask I think lasted about 10 seconds. Hey, uh, <laughs> your quarterback, like, and, and Matt said, Kyle, don't, don't even go there. Like he's not, he's not available. And so Kyle called and said, uh, you know, called me that night and said, John, it's not, it's not worth it. They're not moving them. Uh, you know, and, and, uh, at least not to us <laughs> yeah. in their division and whatnot. And so we never made that call, but that's, that's the extent of that. In a society where, you know, especially with our young people, it's all about me. I'm the best, you know, all of those types of things, Jimmy Garoppolo, you mentioned it. Okay. How was the communication with him? Um, yeah. How did he handle it? Because I've seen uh, opportunities in the National Football League like this where the team didn't communicate right, and the play, it soured the player out. Now, all of a sudden, he's talking to other guys on the team and it's souring the entire experience. Um, it seems like something that Aaron Rodgers is upset about. It didn't seem like you guys handled it, but handled it that way. Can you kind of go into what was your communication like with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. You know, I think Mike, we're, we're like everyone else in that we're far from perfect. Um, but we try to do things the right way. And I'll tell you someone that was probably most influential to me in that respect was Tony Dungy. Uh, anybody that came in and out of that building, especially out, he talked to personally, you know, and that, that was the 90th guy on the roster to, you know, a big deal when, when they make a decision to let a high profile player go, Tony was excellent at communication. He believed in it. And I think back to my playing days, that's all you ever wanted to know. You may not agree with the decision, but if someone looked you in the eye and said, we're making the decision for this reason, and they told you, and they talked about it, you could at least live with yourself and live with that organization. Hey, I don't agree with the decision, but they looked me in the eye, they manned up. And that's something that Kyle and I have tried to do from day one here. And so while we've been far from perfect on all the moves we've made, the one thing I feel great about is I think we communicate with our players very well, both Kyle, myself. And, uh, I think with Jimmy, we did that. We, uh, you know, early in the off season, Hey Jimmy, mm -hmm. 
this isn't easy for us to tell because you've been so good, but we, we have made a decision. We're, we're going to go get another quarterback. And that doesn't mean you're not in our plans. You know, uh, we want you to, to remain in our plans. And so we talked and, and Jimmy has been tremendous throughout this process all the way to, you know, when Trey got drafted, the first person that from our team in terms of players that texted him was Jimmy Garoppolo and mm-hmm. said, Hey man, looking forward to meeting you and working with you. You know, this week they're all here and out on the field for the first time. And, and that's, that's remained. So I think little communication can go a long way. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, getting to winning Super Bowls, that's what everyone's driving for. And that's certainly within our control. And we're doing everything we can to get back there and this time win. But you can always do things the right way. And, and we try to do that here. And I, I think I think that travels too. people hear those things. And we've had a good way with free agency. And I think because that word does travel, that uh, they do a nice job of communicating with their players. And Bucky, I think that's where being a player probably helps as much as anything. Um, you just you want someone to look you in the eye and tell you the truth. And that's not too hard to do you know and speaking of telling the truth there was a lot of uh smoke signals and <laughs> redirections and misdirections yeah. throughout this pre-death process <laughs> when it comes to where you guys were going to go at number three and look one and two were off the board trevor lawrence and zach wilson they were kind of pegged in those holes for a long time when it came down to it you guys elected to go with trey lance what was it about trey lance that made him the right pick for where you guys wanted to go yeah. So it started with the, it started with the film. You know, I obviously have a lot earlier entry point into watching these guys than Kyle does. Cause Kyle's coaching a team, but I'd watched uh, Trey for the first time, probably last year around draft time. I heard about him in our draft meetings. I had heard about him, but took time away one day just to go say, Hey, wh- what's this kid like up at North Dakota? Never got to visit him. I planned on visit him the next year and then everything shut down. But then when we were in Arizona last year at the end of the season, really dove into all the quarterbacks. And, and so I had a really good feeling on Trey. You know, I just like the, I like the way he played the position. I liked obviously the stature. I like the versatility to his game. And there were some things that, you know, I think to some people were bothersome, kind of a herky jerky up and down, um, you know, uh, posture in the pocket and whatnot. But as Kyle started to watch him, he goes, you know, John, a lot of people who have that I, I kind of see that as his way of playing in rhythm, you know, and, and Kyle talks a lot about it at the quarterback position. And he saw a guy because it has to start with the pass game as a guy who played the position with the tremendous rhythm. And even though he didn't throw it a lot up there because they're very good, they believe in the run. You could see this guy get deep into progressions and you could see his eyes go in the right places, like many times getting to the fourth read, you know, okay, that's not there. That's not there. That's, and you could see it on tape. And, you know, I remember the first weekend Kyle watched, him, him calling me and saying, Hey, we're going to keep this tight, but man, I can't put the film down. I'm watching this guy. He was, he was, I, I had said earlier in the off season Cabo, cause he spends time there, but he's spent some time in San Diego. He was down in San Diego with his film. And he's like, I'm going to send you a tape. And I know you've watched a lot of it and I've got comments on there. And uh, you could tell I, I started smiling. Cause I said, Kyle's getting the hook on this guy. Then you start del- diving deeper and you know, every there's such a copycat league and everyone with technology can watch what you're doing and try to replicate it. So how do we separate ourselves? Well, Trey does some things in the run game where we feel like, yeah, now we can distance ourselves schematically at least, but it started with the pass game. And then Trey as a runner, we feel like there's skills that translate to the NFL level and Kyle and them have great history with RG three and, you know, uh, in Washington doing the zone read stuff. So it was a cool process. And we kind of just wanted to keep everyone guessing, you know, like you said, Trevor at one and Zach at two and everyone felt 
good, but it wasn't as if we had the number one pick in the draft. And, and so people said, why did you posture? Because you had the number three pick, you never know. And you never assume what's going to happen at one and two. And we just wanted to keep all our options open. And then to be honest, it became humorous, just like a study in human behavior, yeah. like people just making, <laughs> making stuff up, you know, like that, that didn't come out of my mouth. That didn't come out of Kyle's. And as we got closer and the secret and Bucky, you've been in these rooms, you know, human nature takes over and you want people with strong convictions. If they know that the head coach and GM are aligned on who they want, well, they're probably going to gravitate towards that guy, you know, at some point. And so we wanted to keep even our own scouting department uh, because we wanted their opinions. We value their opinions and we didn't want those to be influenced by what ours were. So we just listened in there, you know, so as people were, and then we got closer and I started thinking like one of the great, surprises of draft day that made draft day so good is getting a call and having no idea where you were going to be. And I remember Jimmy Sexton who had both Trey and Mm -hmm. Mac Jones calling me kind of the week of, and Hey, help me manage expectations with the families. At least, you know, could you give me a heads up at least on draft day? And we got all the way there and I had to call Jimmy and say, Jimmy, I can't do it because, you know, I think there's going to be nothing cooler than whoever it is hearing from us for the first time. And the intrigue was fun. Uh, I think it served a purpose. It made the process complete and uh, we got everyone's uninfluenced opinions. And, and uh, ultimately we ended up with the guy we wanted. Yeah. Hold on. Uh, Mike Ross, yeah. I know you're going to ask questions. I want to hey, uh, go ahead. I want to tell you this, John, because it's funny, right? So I first took a look at Trey Lance summer tape, right? Before 2020. So I wrote in my notes and I just have thrown out the yellow notebook. But in looking at it, I wrote down with a star, Cal Shanahan's system, <laughs> and I put a comparison to Jimmy Garoppolo. And part of it was due to at North Dakota State, when I'm looking at them on tape, I am saying this is everything that the Niners do. Now, this is before I even knew that you – this is the summer before. I said this guy would be perfect in that system because he gives you the best of both worlds, the under-center game yep. plus the zone read game. And I just think it's funny that after we come around to it, to hear you guys after you make the selection, talk about the multiplicity of the scheme, <laughs> what we were able to do, and then Kyle Shanahan being able to imagine what he could do in that offense with the weapons and the run game. I just think it's a fascinating discussion on the scouting process marrying with coaches because sometimes in some buildings, it doesn't marry like that. Yeah, I'm glad you feel that way because we do too. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, now he's got to go do it. And I think it is a great, um, I don't say luxury, but a great situation that we have Jimmy here because we can – we can play Trey when Trey's ready. And and that's, we're committed to doing that. And uh, we've, I've seen it work both ways, but uh, I think certainly everyone would agree that, you know, having a, and I, I don't know, it's like, you know, how do you know when you, you want to be married to someone you just know. And I, I think that's how this process, we're going to know when he's ready, that's going to be Kyle's decision and his staff's, but uh, I'm, I'm confident that, you know, we've got a good situation for Trey, a good situation for Jimmy, and most of all for our team. John, I truly think um, Trey Lance, and I've been saying it going up to to the draft, I think he, he takes this 49er offense, this Kyle Shanahan offense, off through the roof. I mean, it forces 11-on-11 football all the time. Mm-hmm. He's going to get the, the reads on the outside that he wants. And in the run game, I think it's going to open it up for the running backs. Talking about that run game, talk to us a little bit about Trey Sermon, the other Trey that you drafted um, in this draft class. Yeah, he he was a guy that it happens every year that as the process goes, there's a guys who just keep rising. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, it, again, it goes to fit. 
And, you know, I think a quality of our running back classes, I remember at one point we had uh, Mostert, Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida. Those guys are all four, three guys, you know, and then Jeff Wilson who plays fast, but more of a physical guy. So Trey Sermon didn't ne necessarily fit in terms of that. I think he ran four, four five, six or something. That's it, it, That's what we had him timed at, but he does have that fit in terms of he's a guy who can stretch it, put the foot in the ground, get downhill. You know, you look at things like his 10 time, you know, his, his 40 time wasn't great, but his 10 time was really good. And then we're looking a lot these days at GPS times and his GPS time was much better than his 40 time would indicate. So our eyes were seeing it on film and then to get some verification by those numbers helped us say that, you know what, this guy is a great fit for what we do. And we're very excited about Trey. We feel good about all our running backs and think it's going to be a strength of our, of our team this year. You know, John, I, th I think the national football league is trending towards positionless football, right? Where you have a bunch yep. of guys that can do a bunch of different things. I believe you guys are at the forefront of the movement, particularly on offense. When I look at you on offense, I see, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, I call those guys wingbacks because they're half running back, half wide receiver. I look at George Kittle, who blocks like an offensive tackle but catches like a wideout. I look at Kyle Juchek, who plays fullback but does so many different things within the formation. How big is versatility to you guys when you think about building the offense as you're scouting and evaluating players? It's extremely big. You mentioned something early, and I think it's something that served us well with all those players in mind, especially uh, marrying scouting and coaching. And, and that's something we committed to doing when we came here together. So our coaches, you know, we spent a whole month with them in the process prior to the draft. Some places they come turn their reports in and it's like, that's that's all the only exposure that the an assistant coach would have. They're, our guys are up in that room uh, for the entirety of, of of that part of the draft process as, as it gets close. And so I think what we always start with the framework and we renew it every year, what are the position specific skills we're looking for, say at the tight end position and John Embry gets up and gives a, you know, PowerPoint on like, here's what we're looking for. We show film and it's those things that we talk about. It's the versatility Debo Samuel. I think that be, we started to envision that when we had him down at the senior bowl and all, you know, I remember it's always fun to watch Kyle, you know, when he gets his iPad out and starts drawing stuff up, you know, he's, his mind is, his mind is working. And I remember that with Debo, like, you know, we got a, a guy, we didn't call it uh what's, what's yours. You call him a, what a wingback wing wingback. Wing wing yeah. 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 But that's essentially what he was saying. We got a guy, I could put it halfback, but he's pretty damn good receiver as well. <laughs> We're going to have some fun with this and the whole league's looking for Debo Samuels now. And, and I, you kind of fit in that mold as well. So we do, we do really value versatility to people's games. That's what good football players have. Yes, it is. John, look, man, I hope we didn't ask too much stuff on you, man. Hope we didn't yeah, take up fun. too much of your time, man. I got to thank you so much for dropping by and, um, and doing this with us. That'll do it for this week's episode of Total Access, the locker room. For more insight with the locker room point of view, check out the latest episodes every Wednesday and Friday on Apple and Spotify. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.